0: They think I'm hiding in the shadows But I am the shadows
1: 2015 was a long time ago and there's been a lot of vgm since then a lot of video game music how on earth do you compress that amount of video game music into a mere 30 to 45 minute podcast episode some eight years later across three people who are talking about at least maybe two notable games
0: well, f- well, thankfully, you do actually have some options there. Well, first of all, you have the right-click and send to Compress folder. You also have WinRAR, which I, I have on good authority. You can use for free. You don't have to download the full version.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Jono. If you've got the right software, the bitrate can be lowered as well, so it's even better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello, welcome to VGM Awesome Open Source Episode 3. We made it to episode three. We've at least got a trilogy of episodes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That means there's at least like you know an hour's worth of content for people to listen to. Which means we now have to keep going.
0: It's third, otherwise... Is our third installation. Good about the third Alien movie. Yeah.
1: Now listen, we we don't have the time or resources to talk about. I still I stand by Alien Three. I think it's an alright movie. I think it's okay. I don't know what what the beef is about. But listen, that clearly. Is definitely a topic for another episode where we can talk about the movies that we love that are critically panned across the across the audience spectrum. Um, but today, chaps, welcome John O'D, Matt Lindsay. How the devil are you both? Very good, thank you. It
0: has been a long day of work, and I've been spending the whole weekend renovating our bedroom, so I'm exhausted. But I am uh, I am great. There's nowhere I'd re- much rather be. <laughs>
1: Renovating is is uh, quite a therapeutic practice, though I find. Do you not find that? I mean, the the end result is for sure.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. When you're um, manhandling several like dozens of kilos of IKEA wardrobe that might not have been probably <laughs> secured to a wall, um,
1: yeah, it gets stressful. Yeah, no, I, I feel your pain. Well, if there's any consolation, I was recently pulling up a whole bunch of carpet, and um, we've actually got a new carpet going down on our stairs in a couple of days. Look at this, VGM Awesome open source, talking about home renovations and stripping carpet. You know where to go when you want your carpet stripped. VGM Awesome open source. It's our new spinoff.
0: So why are we here?
1: Well, who wants to come in and explain why we're talking about VGM? Uh, I think we should probably actually start saying video game music. Because the second we say video, VGM, it's like we're referring to ourselves. but We are referring to video game music. Um, the musics since 2015 why 2015 who would like to answer that
0: well as it so happens a certain video game music radio podcast thing with four people kind of um disappeared off of the SVR for a number of years in 2015
1: very short. Until,
0: until a few months ago
1: until a few months ago i know and we came back and we thought we'd have one last proper swing at it so Um,
0: (laughs) so yeah we got some catching up to do
1: Mm -hmm. um and how we as i say uh, how we go about putting that into an episode i don't know but it's going to be a blast it's going to be a whistle stop tour of the games that have felt somewhat significant to us from a musical point of view um since 2015 since the last time we did an episode of anything so with that said we'll go to it now we don't know who's going to go first yet we don't know maybe me So, we're talking about video game music since 2015. 2015, why? Because that was the last time we aired anything. Um, uh, or rather, since uh, since this current iteration of the pod. Talking about video game music that has been somewhat significant to us. Uh, and why? Um, since then. I'll jump straight into it. I've got three for you guys. Three. Three. Hmm. First one being, and I'm not even sure when this came out, but Super Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch. Um, I'm just, I'm just looking at my notes now, and I, it's funny because all three of these, and I didn't even notice this, they're, they're all basically remakes from a musical point of view. So the reason I picked up Mario Kart because I only recently went on my honeymoon. Um, and I asked a colleague of mine, uh, or I asked anyone actually, uh, if they had a switch I could borrow to get me through the somewhat lengthy flight to where we went. Um, and a colleague of mine kindly let me his switch of which there was Mario Kart. And I was like, Oh wow, cool. I haven't played a Mario Kart since Mario Kart 64. So there have been quite a few since I last played one. I'm amazed you somehow
0: managed to miss Mario Kart Wii. That is impressive. <laughs> That's like me not knowing Macarena. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, if we ever get to producing video, uh, VGM Awesome open source merch, there's Jono's first t-shirt right there <laughs> with a little, little like, uh, I don't know, uh, a sprite of Jono doing the Macarena. Anyway, digress. Off-piste, back on track, literally. Mario Kart 8 uh, Deluxe. Um... Why did I choose this? One, because I was amazed and quite shocked at how many throwbacks there were to uh, some of the very, very early Mario Kart uh, tracks. Um, I can't for the life of me remember the, the actual Mario Kart track specifically. But the one I do remember is Big Blue from F-Zero.
2: Oh, That was yes. in there.
1: And when I was playing on that, I was thinking, oh, hold on. I noticed, I, I recognized this. And even in the start of the, I'm pretty sure, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, when you start that track, you get the kind of sort of thing. And that was on the original F-Zero. And then then it goes into the, I think that's Big Blue. There is another F-Zero one in it as well. But the, those those tracks in, in particular were just so, so good. I mean, they were great back in the 90s. They were great back then. Um, and also, just you know, supported by a game that is ridiculously tight, so much fun. And I must admit, I played through every track. I did have yeah, a nice honeymoon too. Yeah, I know <laughs> what you're going to say. Yeah. I know what you're going to say.
0: I was going to say, um, well, um, well, there was one thing about what are you doing playing games on a honeymoon? And also, did I? You, are, are you saying that you actually got somebody else's achievements for them?
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, because the game was pretty. It was pretty naked when I when I picked it up. There wasn't an awful lot of playtime in there. Or at you least maybe... <laughs> or at least it wasn't on the profile that I, I that I was allowed to use. Okay. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I smashed through, collected a lot of stars on those tracks um, and and played through to one level below the top CC level. I got pretty good at it. I was quite amazed. But anyway, talking about the music, the, the music is great. It's just so, so good. It, it, it's a throwback to all those classic tracks um, that I had remembered from the early 90s. Uh, and as I say, just whacking some modernization onto it just went down like an absolute treat. The second one, I'll talk about it very briefly, is the Final Fantasy VII remake as well, which of course isn't that old. It came out in 2020, I believe. It was actually the last game I completed. I haven't completed a game since then. Um, don't judge. Um, so of course, original composer Nobuo Uematsu, big, big fan of his, one absolute industry legend. What a juggernaut. Um, but uh, many of those themes were, of course, reworked for a modern, a modern take on the, on that classic game again. Um, and notably, I was really, really pleased to see how those themes were reused, updated. Um, they throw you straight back into where you were when you were a kid when you just hear those themes all over again. But also, it was nice to see how they dynamically shift because, of course, the original FF7 wouldn't have wouldn't have had that um, capability back in late nineties. Whereas this does. So when you're in the mix of combat or you're approaching an enemy, things dynamically shift and you kind of go in and out of intensities. And it's really, really fun. And it's very, very satisfying. Um, and also just that, that Final Fantasy sound. Big orchestra, you know, some distorted guitars in places, a lot of synths. It's just classic Uematsu. And I just love how it's been reworked. So, so good on so many levels.
0: I will tell you one really cool musical thing they did in that game, which I really appreciated, mm. which was um, the whole victory fanfare there. <laughs> Yeah, They actually turned that into a bit of lore, in my opinion, or at least that's how it was communicated to me, in that you would get, there's like a big arena battle, and the crowd would chant that when the people won. And there are even moments where I think Bat win a fight, and then he would... Do it himself. So I don't know. Is that breathing additional lore into the university thing? But that that's just a chant that's associated with doing well or being victorious. Or well, I, I, I
1: guess so. I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially a, it was essentially a stinger back in the day. Um, just to you know, just to communicate, you've done a good thing, you've won the fight. Yeah, um, but it becomes so iconic with fans that you know we all love a bit of lore. We love things to be rooted in the very DNA of what makes a thing a thing. Um, and so with with some law being implemented there, just feels nice, doesn't it? yeah, imagine it i don't actually know what the official kind of law book says about that, but just the fact that it has been made more of it's just very satisfying it's almost like a a reward to the fans for having got on the back of that particular cue so much, and then it's like we recognize that you love it so much now so now we're going to officially place that in the universe and that's cool that's cool in my opinion I like that um so number three uh this is uh, I'll, 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 again I'll be I'll be and as quick as I can but this is the one that will likely uh take up much of my energies but it's XCOM 2 specifically War of the Chosen which was the big kind of DLC slash expansion that came shortly after the sequel um after XCOM 2 um they did a cool thing they did a cool thing with this xcom 2 was already very very good the music in that is very very um it's very very passive and that's a good thing because battles can go on for quite a long time you can be on a mission for a good two three hours sometimes and the battles between the turn-based combat between you and and the alien menace um is really tense Now, I'm not too sure how familiar you guys are with XCOM or the XCOM series. I'm a relatively new convert to the series through the remake, through XCOM, and then XCOM 2. But when they brought out War of the Chosen, they did this really cool thing. um, There were, was it two or three? I think it might have been three soundtracks that you could select um, and enjoy and and play through. The first was, of course, the original XCOM 2 soundtrack um, put together. Uh, as, the, uh, as per design. And then you had the the original remake from 2012. Um, pretty sure that was Michael McCann that did the music to that. Very, very cool soundtrack, very synthetic, lots of arpeggiated beats, break beats, really, really cool. But the cool thing that to note was that they actually remixed and gave a huge update to John Broomhall's cues from the original XCOM UFO defense from the early 90s, was it 93, 94 or something, from by Microprose. So you've got this these original cues, like, completely modernised, uh, and it it, ge- it gave this kind of B-movie sort of tone to it, and that was really, really cool, and that became the soundtrack of choice for me as I was slamming hours into this game. I haven't played it for some time because it's it's quite addictive, and I'm not sure I'm ready to go back to it yet because I'll lose my life to it, but it's it, it just did a really, really clever thing. Very simple. But um, it did a very, very clever thing by just kind of remaking or, or reimagining those cues um, and bringing them into, into the modern age. And it was really quite satisfying. So anyway, whistle-stop sort of my stuff. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, XCOM 2, War of the Chosen, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Who's next? I guess I'd better go next, might I? Righty.
0: So i got three games, technically four, but I know that Matt is choosing one of my... Ah, okay. It's choosing what well, choosing a couple of mine, but I'll allow I'll allow him to have them.
2: <laughs> um It's difficult to it's difficult to find examples for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um the first game series I want to talk about, technically it was out by the time that um VGM awesome kind of ramped up, but it had a new instalment since we were off the air, so it technically counts. Um, so I'd like to talk about a little, little series w- called Danganronpa which is um, how do I describe Danganronpa to somebody who's never heard of, Dangan-
1: heard of Danganronpa? Before? Well that person would be me so please I, I've never heard of that even to this moment so describe to me on on air live What is this?
0: (laughs) Okay. So, the best way I can think about it is cross the following three properties together. Oh, God. Cross Phoenix Right. Okay. With Battle Royale, which is like that Japanese movie where all the... Yeah. Yeah. You you know one. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. And Saw. Oh, my God. Combine those three together and you've basically got Danganronpa. And it's all kind of crazy. Um... Lots and lots of teenagers are locked into some kind of setting. They have to covertly try and murder each other and find out who did it. And it's, yeah, I don't have time to get into the story of Danganronpa because, frankly, I don't have an hour. So, <laughs> yeah. But the most important thing I'd like to talk to you about, of course, is the music. In a game which is incredibly... Stylistic. I'd say that Romper is probably one of the most stylistically driven kind of games or experiences I've probably ever had, really. Um, it has got probably one of the most funky soundtracks I think I've ever heard for a game all about teenagers murdering each other. What, funkier than Toe Jam and Oil? That's quite a statement. <laughs> quite possibly. It is quite possibly funkier <laughs> than Toe Jam and Oil. I mean... Um, at some points it's funky at some points it's intense at some points it's morbid at some points it's macabre at some points it's get the glow sticks out i am about to bring this house down it's <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's uh it's all kinds of convoluted and it's definitely not a series for everyone it's very much ill very much satisfied the kind of the edgy teenager vibe in everybody okay. kind of thing but um yeah, that is the Dangarop soundtrack. There's been a number of entries. I think my overall favourite in terms of music is from the, what well, you could kind of call the third entry in the series called Dangaropa V3, uh, which just took the music to a, a whole, whole new level. It was, um, it's got my overall favourite piece in the series, a piece called Scrum Debate. Which, if you know what Scrum debate is in Rumper fans, then you'll know the track I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to send you some examples of this afterwards because, um, yeah, it kind of goes off on one in terms of just how all of shop the soundtrack goes, but it's all great listening. Mm-hmm. I guess that's one of my one of my things. The second one I want to talk about, I have comparatively less experience with. But I've grown a real love for the soundtrack, and that is the soundtrack of Splatoon.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes um, Splatoon.
0: Yep, so Splatoon, uh, Nintendo property, um, it is their take on the third person shooter, um, online third person shooter, where instead of shooting bullets into people, you're shooting colored ink. People and you're trying to cover as much turf as you can in a given time limit. Most person, most of one color at the end is the winner. And what they have done there is again they've kind of gone a bit all over the place in terms of kind of genres that they like to try and kind of reach into. It has a very indie rock kind of feel to it. A very kind of definitive, um, almost like Nickelodeon kind of rock vibe. So imagine if indie rock you know, indie rock artists were making music for, like, Nickelodeon in the 90s, and that would kind of give you an idea of the kind of stuff that you're getting in Splatoon. Oh, with the coloured ink flying everywhere, it's very appropriate. It is absolutely (laughs) appropriate. But the other thing I want to breathe into this, which I think is incredibly pertinent, is that um, Splatoon is one of the few kind of properties in video game franchises that actually has... Um, in person virtual concerts. Oh, wow. So, if you've ever seen those like concerts with holograms of Hatsune Miku, you know yeah, that yeah. songs do no Um, Splatoon each Splatoon game has its own set of what they call idols, which are like the people who kind of present like what the latest stage is going to be and kind of big news, big updates, and they're all kind of big musical personalities and they've actually had full on stage shows where these musical personalities will actually be playing in front of a live audience as holograms and people love it and lap it up and i would love to go to one mm,
1: that sounds amazing i mean even at Miku like that's that 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 concert has been on my wish list for a long long time um yeah anything akin to that sounds amazing
0: The other good thing about it is um, it kind of leans into something which I love with the um, loco-roco kind of aspect of things, which is um, all the songs and stuff are sung in a fictional language, which is, um, I can't remember what it's called. Is it it Inklingish or
2: English? I'm I'm not even sure it has a name officially. Like, at least not one that one, at least I've not heard of one.
0: Anyway, it's this completely made-up language, which is, basically some some kind of watery garbles is the best way I can use to describe how um, Splatoon language sounds like. And they somehow breathe this all into music, and it all sounds incredibly palatable, as weird and as unlikely as that sounds. I will be sending more your way out of this, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> so the final um, game series I want to really cover... And I'm going to single out one game in particular: is the music from Yakuza Zero.
1: I knew this was going to come up. Yes, like, you are big into Yakuza, then, aren't you? Oh, yes, it um,
0: is. Yes, I love the Yakuza series. I discovered it, mm, I would say, maybe a couple of the, maybe a year, maybe a couple of years before lockdown. And yeah, it's an amazing series. Um, like. The other ones, it is very much a case of what on earth are they doing. It covers every single genre that you can possibly imagine because they do all kinds of different things in the Axis series. You have some of the most hard-hitting, most incredible kind of character themes you've ever heard. Uh, The main one I can think of is Pledge of Demon, which is Kuzé's theme, which is just stunning. Um they do a whole slew of amazing Japanese karaoke tracks which are absolutely <laughs> all worth watching just for the comedy factor alone.
1: But I mean that that alone is enough to get me invested in this series because I've never played or certainly not not to a good degree any of the Yakuza games. I do own one of them, but I've just never found the time to play it. Yep.
0: Yeah, do fix that at your earliest convenience. Um <laughs> But yeah, um, but the good thing about the Yakuza series is that a lot of the musical kind of influence is the eighties. So they have a lot of eighties musical influence, especially in those karaoke tracks, which I kind of mentioned. Cause, um, you'll notice it like with karaoke that you sing, you'll notice it with the, um, cause you have to go to a proper disco and actually dance to kind of topical disco tracks, not actual you know disco trucks they would have used back in the day but their own interpretations of them including some of their own interpretations on uh michael jackson songs and all that, all that kind of thing he turns up in that game by the way as um the legally distinct miracle johnson which
1: <laughs> is i'm sorry well, michael jackson turns up in yakuza Yes, yep. he does.
0: In Axis Zero, he turns up as the um, sensational pop idol known as Miracle Johnson. What time did that? What, what year did this game come out? Sorry, um, this game came out in two thousand
1: eighty. No, I, that's probably totally wrong. And Michael Jackson um, died in two thousand nine, so they just they've licensed his likeness, and he's he's appeared in the game.
0: I think they've made him kind of legally distinct enough that.
1: Is. I need to check this out. That sounds too good to yeah. be true. <laughs> but that's not yeah.
0: that, that's not the only person who think, this is up this is off the this is off on a tangent now, but another personality they've managed to get into that game is uh, they put Steven Spielberg into the game. <laughs> and um his name is Steven Spining or Steven
1: Spinning. Of course it is, of course it is.
0: Um let's see, he's working... at the time of the at the time of the game, he's working on his latest, greatest uh movie, Indian Jeans.
1: <laughs> How do they get away with this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Indian Jeans. Yes. Okay, carry on.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Can I pick out a number of great songs from Axis Zero? There are tons. Um one of my favorites without a doubt is um Pledge of Demon, which is Kuzusine, which I mentioned before. Um, you get some incredible uh, karaoke my favorite one being the absolute mean favorite 24 hour cinderella okay which is the best 80s theme we've ever seen um one of the best fighting themes from the game is a piece called tusk or just t-u-s-k which is a uh, the theme of a very strong japanese man losing his job or no not losing his job um, going into Hand in His Notice is the theme I associate the song with. Suitably dramatic. Suitably dramatic. Um, yeah. There's a moment in the game where Kiyu is trying to resign from his post in the AXA, and this plays whilst he beats up an entire building's worth of the AXA. It's great. <laughs> um, oh, I love it. What other ones have we got in there? Um obviously the disco tracks which i mentioned of which i want to pay a special shout out to koino disco queen which is just a banger um other great ones include the theme to theme to pocket circuit which is just its own breed of 80s incredible hobbiness. um yeah i think i've run out of steam on this one
2: Matt Lindsay. Hello there. What, hello there. What have you got? Uh, to be honest, I'm going for more of a general approach of the games I'm covering in a way. The, the main one i <laughs> One of the ones I thought of, obviously, uh, that John Jono had, had mentioned before Sonic Mania. We've had three mainline Sonic games in since 2015. And I think, so far, Sonic Mania has one of the best Sonic think- soundtracks I've ever heard. Like, it is all... There's a lot of, like, you know, re-returning recur- re- levels and several new ones, ones as well. So it's all remixed music, music that would have fit the original the original series. And it's all it's all done really, really jazzy, really punchy music i absolutely love the score for this game
0: somehow they've taken some of the old songs
1: and arguably made them better oh yes definitely somehow that is a tall order i mean even even the the, the lesser sonic games and there are some out there i have always remember them to have pretty decent soundtracks
2: still they've always been quite strong in the music department yeah, that seems, like, to be, that seems to be one of the general consensus with the Sonic series. No matter the quality of the game, the soundtrack always has some really good stuff in there, mm-hmm. whether it's just the occasional uh, a couple of songs here and there or everything. I mean, like Sonic 06, for as controversial as that is among the gaming community, I adore its soundtrack. It's, again, one of my favourites.
0: I do too. Yeah, let's talk more about Sonic Mania because yes. there is
2: so much more to talk about. But this is your segment, yes. For Lindsay, so, take it I on. just I just remember the first time we found out about Mania all those years ago. I think there was two tracks they meant they previewed for it. Correct Three me tracks. if I'm wrong. Three tracks was it? Three tracks. Green, Green Hill Zone was one of them, was it? No, was it? it
0: it came on a USB stick, which I actually have on in the shelf somewhere. Um, they. They previewed the title theme. They previewed Studiopolis at one, and I think they also they also had the invincibility theme.
2: The moment I heard Studiopolis, I thought, yes, we are in good hands. I apologise for that for that noise, by the way. But yes, that moment, the, as soon as I heard that song, was like this is the new classic. This is the new the new signature level. And then we played, Yeah, we both played it at, we played the game at the last summer of Sonic in 2016. Yeah. You could choose between Green Hill Zone or Stewardiopolis for that demo. And so I thought, yes, I'm going to try the new level. I want to see what's going on with this. Wonderful. Absolutely loved it. Like it's just one, such a catchy song, such a upbeat song. It feels like it's always been there in a way. Like, it's almost like it could have been one of the classic games uh, songs from the '90s or late '90s. Certainly, with with the the, you know, the general atmosphere of the game, it feels like it came straight off the Sega Saturn.
0: As a matter of fact, I have a very interesting point for you there, which is um, there is a very famous um, let's say internet Let's Play channel. Am I allowed to name drop here? Do you think
1: or uh, if, if, yeah, I'm sure if we're saying a good thing.
0: Okay, so the game grumps played Sonic Mania and they got Studiopolis and it was to the point where in the early going they were actually debating what ninety Sonic game this stage comes from.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's excellent.
0: Yes so that goes to show just how in keeping that particular song and stage were with the rest of it.
1: Mm. Well, that's 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 tall praise, isn't it? I mean, if if you can, if you take a cue from a from a more uh, recent game, and and the lines become very blurry as to what what uh, you know what game in this series that actually appeared in, then you know it's done its job very very well. Now, want...
2: was... No, you first, John.
0: Yeah, sh- sure. I was going to say it's also worth mentioning not only Studiopolis and as well as the remixes, which are top notch but the original stuff that's yes. in there
2: as well. Press Garden Act 1. I love that one as well. That is such a great song. And t- Titanic Monarch 1 and 2. Like I'm a sucker for sort of boss theme and game themes like you know last level that sort of that sort of you know building up towards the final battle themes. Like Titanic Monarch you feel it. You feel the dread, the tension rising as you head towards the last boss I, I i love it so much i can't really put it into words
0: and i also have to shout out danger on on the dance floor oh okay. yeah
2: the
1: mini boss theme. danger on the dance floor i mean that's 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 a killer right there just the name alone makes you want to listen to it mm. yep well I'm, I'm glad i'm glad someone has been making notes on this on this episode today because i i did not and i'm digging all the detail right now
2: <laughs> it's good stuff Briefly want to me- briefly want to touch on Sonic Frontiers before I go to the next game, before <laughs> the next main topic I had, because that's the other one of the other big games that's come out, and I just want to talk about how it. Yeah, Sonic Frontiers, open world game, similar to Breath of the Wild, held in that regard, and it's kind of cut, uh, done what Breath of, Wild, uh, Breath of the Wild's sound design as well, like the o- overworld theme with very minimalist soundtracks, like piano and just strings. Like, very minimalist, non-intrusive music. And you get, and then you get into the levels and it's like pounding EDM themes. <laughs> I love that contrast, but uh, it actually really works.
0: Would we would be remiss not to also mention
2: the utterly insane uh, Titan boss themes. Oh, yes. I, like, that's one, of, that's, again another one of my favourite boss themes from the series. I mean, I'm still working through the game. I haven't got... Um, I think I'm at the third island now. But I'm... Um, yeah, so far, loving the soundtrack. Like, no matter how frustrating the cyberspace levels are, I could, play, I could replay them over and over again just because the soundtrack's so catchy and pounding. I love it. I love something with a good beat. Yeah, the... The other thing... The last thing... Well, collection of games I really want to talk about... You know, we've been off the air since 2015. How can we not talk about the work of Toby Fox? The guy is
0: some kind of musical freak of nature. And I
2: mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> I mean, Undertale, Deltarune, the various work he's done on with on like your know, little town hero for Game Freak. Pokemon Sword and Shield and Scarlet and Violet he's done you know de- guest composing on all sorts of thi- <laughs> all sorts of games and pains and everything really he's doing all sorts but like just the Undertale and Deltarune soundtracks are the ones that I mainly f- I want to focus on just because of how how almost the impact they've had on gaming as a whole I feel and meme culture, in a way, as well. Yeah, in,
0: I mean, I mean, I can, you know, think of a single person on YouTube who has not at least heard the opening measures of Megalovania at no. least
2: once. And all the uh, all the memes about becoming a big shot in the last couple of years, like, oh, it's it's incredible. The what the like? How he, like? Just how? strong the connection between the games and the music is and how he manages you know compose he composes everything in the games and yet he's got such broad styles and and like broad instrument usage and it's the recurring themes everything's excellent like how you know there several levels from levels and bosses in undertale and delta and there's just a little bit little recurring melodies that pop up in between them, uh, between them all and like sometimes that times like yo know, there's connection like a you know, first boss of undertale and one of the last bosses that same recurring melody will appear and you uh, and it just emphasizes the connection not only um, between the characters and the story like the the way he uses his music for emotion in that way because it's a really tragic story in undertale and it, just the way that that melody keeps popping up really highlights it
0: as a matter of fact there's one thing he does in the undertale soundtrack which is mm, chef kiss brilliance which is if you were to listen to the official soundtrack before you actually do the whole game there's one particular theme and i think you know which theme i'm talking about Mm -hmm. um well i'm just gonna name job it's literally called his theme yes but um they actually change it for the official soundtrack release, because mm. they actually, and that's because it's played slightly differently in the game.
2: It's like but slightly, for a reason. Yeah, it's slightly lower in the game, isn't it?
0: Yes, they play a slightly different pitch in the game, and that and the reason they've done that in soundtrack is completely deliberate. To a point that the sound that song actually hits with the emotional kind of weight that it needs. Yeah. And you experience it firsthand in the game.
2: Like, there's so many great sound songs in the soundtrack that it's impossible to just pick a handful of them to focus on, really. Metal Crusher <laughs> Every time you say
1: something like that, Matt, um John just pops in with like with another name drop of another cue, another cue, another cue. I'm but, well aware. But that's that's largely been the, the case of this entire episode isn't it it's it's it's, a, it's an impossible job to try and put eight years worth of amazing video game music but you know as as far as like a a flyby tour goes you know this this has been exactly that and just kind of touching base with ones that have been really
2: quite significant yeah. but, there's yeah. one song that i will definitely mention not because of just how good it is but because of the connection i have with it I think you'll know which one this is, John. I think I do. Yes, Lost Girl. This is a song that... It's a song for a major character in the game. A more upbeat version of it plays earlier on in the song. In the the game, sorry. And it's a character that my... My wife absolutely loves her. It's her favourite character from the game. Really resonates with her. It's the song we chose for her to walk down the aisle to at our wedding. i still get goosebumps when i hear it not gonna lie
1: i think the lesson learned from this episode and we'll we'll, of course with vgm being in the the podcast title we'll of course come back to more vgm with episodes to, to follow but um, we'll keep it to, to maybe one each because it's just it's just not fair to all the games. There's just so much, so many titles that have come out and done a, uh, done a really important thing since uh, since 2015. Um, you just need to give them more time in the sun, you know? I, yeah. I feel almost bad. Like my, my three, I, I love all three of those games, but especially the, the Final Fantasy VII remake, it's like, oh, no, that, that deserves a whole slot by itself because it's that good. Um, so yeah, a comprehensive display though, gentlemen, really, really impressed with your knowledge and not to mention the Sonic knowledge. I mean, just when I think you guys have kind of, you know, hit some sort of bar, maybe some sort of limit as to where your Sonic knowledge can go. It just levels up some. To? Well, I know exactly, but, but, but this is the whole point. I'm I'm learning about you guys as well. We're just scratching the surface here. <laughs> I think, I think part of me had forgotten just how well you know sonic which sounds totally daft but it makes perfect sense because I'm like oh hold on let me just let me just check in with myself here I am sharing a, a digital chat space with Matt Lindsay and John OD two of the world's biggest sonic nerds that I know I don't know many of them but you must be up there <laughs> somewhere oh my gosh oh my god but yeah it's been a really com- comprehensive display and um forever interesting to just to see I think the thing that kind of gets me is like the reason why these things touch so much, why they land. Because like anything, like any art, it's all interpretive. It's all down to how you digest what you're seeing or what you're hearing. And, you know, one person can listen to one music cue and feel an entirely different thing to what you feel. Like you mentioned at the end there, Matt, about getting goosebumps, because it, of course, reminds you of, of when you walk down the yard to that particular cue. Mine was the same. My wife and I walked down the cue to... Um, down the cue, we walked down the aisle to Aries theme, um, but specifically the Distant Worlds arrangement because it's so, so beautiful, so beautiful. So when I hear that arrangement, it's like, like my heart just sinks, you know. It just puts me right back into that space again. And that's, that's how powerful music can be, you know. I was going to say, you are at my wedding. You, you
0: know that uh, my wife brought down the aisle to Final Fantasy music as well. Oh, well, that's true.
1: Was it Final Fantasy?
0: Um. Yes, yeah, she walked down the aisle to Melodies of Life from of Final course. Fantasy so, Nine. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, a great, great piece. That's yeah, Final Fantasy Nine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, Final Fantasy Nine was again going off slightly off tangent. Like Final Fantasy Nine for me was probably the last proper Uematsu score. You could maybe include Blue Dragon in that, which of course is not a Final Fantasy game at all, but that felt very traditional Uematsu. Um, but Final Fantasy Ten. Eleven, I think, was online only. Twelve was just different, good but different. Um, but yeah, yeah, Final Fantasy Nine was the last kind of official Uematsu, Uematsu Final Fantasy score for me. But listen, it's been really, really good sharing this space, guys. And uh, you know, we again, we're going to check this one off the list on the spreadsheet. See what comes next. We've, I think, it's probably worth saying in Episode Three, we've got some species. Species in the pipeline. Should we give a little tease to those? To those species Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? We, we may never get to them anyway. So why not? Oh, we're going to get to them. We're going to get to them. So we've mentioned Sonic. Um, of course, depending on where or when you're listening to these episodes in and out of order. So, Sonic, and I, I, maybe you guys should double team this a two part Sonic the Hedgehog the movie special. Mm. Yes. Two part, one episode for each film. Um and and with those ones you know they're they're specials so they could definitely you know um head towards forty five minutes to an hour if we need to because they are specials but we've got those coming and that's going to be pretty exciting I thought those those films are great that's exciting all right well we'll leave you with that tidbit um we'll see you in the next one gentlemen pleasure take care have a good evening. episode three how do you start well this is something that we can clearly chuck in at the end of the episode um well i've done better than valve have